0: Hey, this is Michelle DiCarlo with Coldwell Banker Realty. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to Sell Without Selling podcast with my very good friend, Stacey O'Byrne.
1: If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker, Stacey O'Byrne, as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne.
2: Hi, I'm Stacey O'Byrne, and I get to hang out with successful entrepreneurs, business owners, sales professionals, and some of the top business influencers and thought leaders in the world. You see, I believe that it's important to learn the art and science of how to sell without selling, and that is the only way to achieve six- and seven-figure success. So if you want to be a success magnet, attract quality people in your network, and significantly increase your sales and ultimately your success, then you're in the right place because this is the Sell Without Selling podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and today I'm speaking with a dear friend of mine, Michelle DiCarlo. Michelle Carlo is an award-winning realtor selling homes in San Diego and surrounding areas since 2005. She earned her bachelor's of science degree in education from University of Las Vegas, and is a firm believer in continuously learning in order to best serve her clients. Michelle strives to educate her clients about the entire process so that they feel fully equipped with the knowledge they need to achieve their real estate goals. Something else that I personally know about Michelle is that she just recently became a certified instructor for yoga, as well as she is far above average as far as performance goes in being a realtor and a real estate agent. Not only far and above from a service perspective, also a performance perspective, and I'm proud to say a dear personal friend. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six- and seven-figure success. I am so excited for you to hear my conversation today with Michelle. The information and golden nuggets she has to share is absolutely, positively phenomenal. This is going to be an awesome conversation. Please grab pen and paper. I promise you, you're going to want to extract a bunch of notes from this because this woman is brilliant. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, And if you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck in needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income and your success to the next level. If that sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com/slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me. All right, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stacy. I'm so excited to be on your show. I am beyond excited to have you on the show. You know, one of the one of the reasons, there were many reasons why I had asked you. One of the reasons is because In Southern California, and I suspect nationally, the average realtor sells about one to three transactions. I know you're far above average. I know that that you make a very, very successful, comfortable living off real estate, and you do it differently. You're not one of these grinders, you're just this heart centered, zen, well, you're like the yoga realtor. How's that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that. I like
2: that. (laughs) I really want our listeners to get to know you because I believe that one of the most important things about success is being true to you, being congruent and authentic and transparent to yourself. And being different than your competition, because we've all seen those cookie cutter entrepreneurs, those cookie cutter realtors out there, right? You're yeah. far from cookie cutter, which is where your successes come from. What got you into real estate to begin with?
0: Well, that's funny because real estate just was by accident. Um, it really, it really was by accident. It was back in 2005. And I was, I took a break from teaching. I used to be a school teacher. And then I was home with my kids, I had three little kids at the time and they were finally going to school. And I thought, Oh my gosh, my brain needs to be challenged. I need a class. I love to learn what class do I want? I took real estate. And next thing I know, I found this love of my life which is real estate and I never went back into you know teaching as far as you know classroom elementary school teaching and now I use my gifts of education with my clients because knowledge is so important when you're making that huge purchase in your life is to really know what you're, what you're getting into. Anyway, it was just a smooth, a funny transition. It just called to me, and here I am, what, 16 years later. And for most of this time, I've been, since 2008, most of the time since 2008, I've been a single mom supporting three kids. No alimony, no child support, just me as a realtor. And that is unusual because, like you said, like the average realtor only makes like twenty four thousand a year. You can't live in San Diego and and have kids with twenty four thousand a year.
2: Not just San Diego. You live in a beach town in a really nice house.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so that you know, it's because I love what I do, and my approach is a little bit different because I just see things a little differently than most. And oftentimes, when the crowd is going, oh, let's go this direction, I look over here and find what, what it is that everybody's missing while they're focusing elsewhere, because there's perspective is like huge in just in life, not just in success, but every avenue of life. And so, yeah, that's kind of driven me.
2: So it's funny. I never knew that you majored in education and that explains so much because you are immensely patient. Immensely. And for me, I've always thought that when I view entrepreneurs, we're just like a bunch of kindergartners, you know, grabbing our crayons and fighting over our toys, right? (laughs) So, and it's funny because home purchasing, home purchasing, in my opinion, is probably the most emotional, largest purchase a person can and will make in their life. And who better to do that than an educator? who better to walk them through that process? So what made you decide to get into education, I guess, is probably the foundational question.
0: I always wanted to be a teacher. I mean, I played school with my brothers when I was little and I was the teacher and I had a chalkboard and that's just what I wanted to do, and that's how I pictured, you know, my life. Yeah,
2: and awesome. then, and then I pivoted. <laughs> <laughs> There's that P word again. Yes, the P word, and here I am. <laughs> nice. So I'm curious, from your perspective, what does success mean to you? Success to me
0: goes beyond. It's not a financial solely um, thing. Success to me is if you sit right now and you close your eyes and you think of the people you know. And think of the ones who you think are successful Mm -hmm. in their life as a whole. We're not talking numbers. We're talking successful. Like they are, to me, when I do that, the people that come to mind are the people who are happy Mm -hmm. in their Mm -hmm. life. Because what good is all that money if you're not happy? But when you're happy, then all of a sudden all that money comes. So to me, success is a very broad word. Success is basically living your happiest life, which does involve making a good amount of money, but not at the expense of relationships or your health or anything like that, but maintaining all of those important aspects while pursuing your financial goal. So that's what success is to me. It's just like you are so happy. You you know that that life is good. That's success to me.
2: Yeah, it's the harmony. It's the harmony between the personal and professional and and the ebb and flow and the conscious, unconscious integration. I love right. it. Yeah. So what took a successful realtor who had phenomenal harmony in her life to begin with. You're well harmonized in your health. You're well harmonized in your professional career. You made a big move in your professional career in 2019. You've got three amazing adult children. Mm-hmm. You have it, I'm going to say in air quotes, all, so to speak, right? I heard rumor that that you're in love again. <laughs> <laughs> so So what took this successful person into pursuing something else in life like yoga?
0: I go through life very open
2: Mm -hmm.
0: to new ideas. I never, ever feel like I will know all there is to know or understand all there is to understand. And Mm -hmm. I stay open. And when something calls to me, even if it makes zero sense, like why Would a realtor go suddenly get her, you know, yoga teaching? Like I could teach you yoga right now, meditation, all kinds Mm -hmm. of beautiful things. I'm not asking why. I just knew it was something that called to me and I Mm -hmm. needed to do it. And the why will come, it will show up. I don't need the answers now, but I knew Mm -hmm. I needed to do that. And it was a phenomenal experience.
2: So you went with the energy, you were pulled to do it. I love that. I love that. I was thinking, is this a new negotiation technique? So let's let's get into the empty living room of the house that you're viewing your a <laughs> downward dog and see if it works out for you.
0: I'll do anything. No, I'm not. That, I'm, I'm not that kind of realtor. The same thing happened, honestly, years ago with you when I took your neuro linguistic programming class, and somebody mentioned it in passing to me. I didn't even know what NLP was. And I'm like, what, what is that? I, I I don't even think I asked what it is. I said, I want to sign up.
2: Yes, okay. you did. You called me. You go, I don't know what I'm signing up for, but I want to sign I up. I want to
0: sign up. And you're like, well, it costs this much. And it was not cheap. Okay. Not to me. Like at the time, mother of three, any kind of big numbers or big numbers. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I, I want to sign up. And I found a way to get it paid for. Got my broker in to actually you know, split the bill with me in that <laughs> first class. So I'm like, this is, I don't, you know, and then it just drew me in and I Mm -hmm. stayed open to it because that's just how I'm wired, I guess. And the learning, you can never learn too much, you know.
2: So I think what Michelle's biggest learning is there for you is always be an open conduit to possibility. Yeah. Because if you're open-minded then the world opens up to so many other things for you. If you're close-minded, who knows what you're missing? And I'm not talking about the the foundation of FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. I'm talking about being open, an open realm of possibilities, because that's where success is. You, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring until you step into it wholeheartedly and seize the day, right?
0: Right. No, that's true. And Although I'm open, I'm also, I'm not like a training junkie. I am not always right. taking other classes and doing things, not by any means. It only happens when it something just says, take this, do mm-hmm. this, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you have to be discerning about, about those choices. But for me, yeah, I'm not a junkie by any means, but being open to that, the fact that there's a lot more to know. Because if somebody thinks they, they already know everything...
2: Mm-hmm. We're in trouble. <laughs> the,
0: the walls, yeah, the walls are up yeah. and there's there's no room for growth. And mm-hmm. I'm all about that transformation and growth and forward movement.
2: You know? Yeah, I love that. So Michelle, what, what inspires you? What drives you? My kids. Your kids?
0: A thousand percent my kids. How so? Everything that I do is with them in mind, with the future for them in mind, with providing a basis for them to live a beautiful, wonderful life. It is a thousand percent my kids.
2: What does that do for you?
0: (laughs) Everything. (laughs) I'm lucky, blessed, and grateful that I do have three amazing kids. And they have that gift of gratitude also, which makes it just more inspiring to me to do what I do so that they can explore what direction they're going you know they're aged between nineteen and twenty six so they're in that you know what am I going to do with my life stage and and I get to be a part of that and hopefully help you know or guide or stand there and say nothing whatever it is they need but mm-hmm. They,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know it's them it's my kids um,
2: are for me the straight inspiration I love that what I'd like to ask you is I'm trying to think of how to ask it you know we're in this environment today where where these parents, because of the stay-at-home orders, because of the, the, the pandemic, parents who are also business people, entrepreneurs, you know, they're, they're working on continuing to bring in income and, oh, by the way, they're a full-time daycare facility now for the kids yeah. that they used to drop off at school, right? And, oh, but wait, they're also a teacher now, right? And, oh, but wait. Math today is a little more complicated than math 20, 30 years ago when we took it, right? One right. plus one's no longer two. You <laughs> have to show the work. And how do you show the work for one plus one? <laughs> it's <laughs> so, so true. So what advice, you know, being a former teacher, being a former educator, being a single mother of three who has always been the sole provider for the household. What advice can you give to these parents? How do they make it work? How do they harmonize it? How do they stay sane, be everything the kid needs, and still bring home the bacon, so to speak? Oh, God,
0: don't you wish I had the clear-cut answer that somebody out there could just (laughs) go, oh, that's all
2: I need to do? I know you have (laughs) the answer because I know you've done it.
0: (laughs) But I mean, the reality is parents will step up. That's what parents do. That's what Mm -hmm. we and they will step up, and they will endure, and they will do what needs to get done. But for themselves, they have to remember take some time to recharge. And that's what's hard for some parents. If they're single parents right now that are handling, you know, the homeschooling and a job that takes them out of the house, and then they, you know, back to homeschooling, these challenges, Stacy, are immense. And it comes down to feed your soul, do something for yourself each day so that you can give because that's those parents are in such a state of giving mm-hmm. that they could run empty. So it's really just take, whether it's get up a half an hour early and read a book or journal or do some yoga or do some meditation or go for a run, whatever parents need to remember self-care, I think right now, so because they're giving so much. I
2: absolutely love that. How has failure been instrumental to your success?
0: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Failure is like the biggest gift that you could ever get and not feel like you don't want to receive this, but failure has definitely been instrumental years ago you know, like from a realtor perspective and you go into a listing appointment and you don't get the listing and some guy gets it who, you know, is not going to do nearly as, as well a job for these clients than you. You learn from your failures. You simply learn from them and go upwards from there. To me, when you're in that failure though, you, you can't, it's sometimes hard to grab that, that mindset of, I'm going to, you know, that motivation and that inspiration to move forward. And then you start, woe was me? Maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, especially entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs, you know, they give up because they, they fail a few times and it's hard to find that, you know, that gusto again, to keep going and believing
2: in themselves. How can they? How do they? And I ask because I know it hasn't always been easy for you. I know that, yeah, I know. you know, like most, like some, you've had struggles, right? Oh, yeah. That, and whether or not you want to share what they are, that's your story. I just know that you have, you have a big story to where you tapped into so much yeah. to push yourself through. And I know that there are a lot of people going through that right now. They feel like they're failing. They feel like they failed. The, the white flags coming out of their pocket and they're about ready to raise it. And, and I know you've been there, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So how do they make shift happen at this point when they've tapped into everything that they thought they could?
0: I'll tell you, and I'm happy to share a little bit of, yeah. of my experience just so that everybody has a little a little background to this. Back in 2008, I went through a horrible divorce, financially left me with nine cents, 0.09 cents, the end, nothing more. Three kids, that was it. Needless to say, I was leveled, you know, like emotionally, I was not working. I was not selling houses. I was like, what am I going to do with myself? I was, you know, staying at my grandmother's house, three kids, lost my car, had no house. And my broker, who I loved to pieces came in December of that year, fired me. He said, Michelle, I can't, I love you, but this is business and I got to let you go. I mean, I hadn't sold a house in a year, one year, (laughs) not one house. I can't blame the guy. (laughs) I got to let you go. I said, well, I'm not leaving. He said, well, you know, I said, I don't want to go anywhere else. I'm staying. He fired me like five more times on that phone call. I was not leaving. He said, okay, then if you're going to stay, do me a favor how many homes you want to sell this year? And I thought, realistically, 10. He said, okay, write that on a, on a piece of paper, put it on your mirror. Anyway, long story short, I didn't sell 10. I think I sold eight houses that first year, but I was you know, back in business. From the bottom is when you get to really, not intentionally did I know I was building this story of inspiration for myself or for my children but it's when you're at that bottom and you're at that failure that is your opportunity. It is a gift. That's why I say failure is a gift. That is your chance to find that strength, to know who you are, what you're capable of, and to dig deep and go and do it and persist. With failure, you only fail when you stop trying, so never stop trying, just keep going.
2: That's phenomenal. So what advice can you give someone who is just starting out. And the reason why I asked this question, and, and I've been asking a lot of my guests this lately, because I think that we're about ready to see this emergence of a flood of entrepreneurism, yeah. because all the layoffs that have happened, the unemployment rates high, and people have to, need to figure out how to make a living, how to bring money in to support themselves and their families. And for that reason, I think the Way to do that is entrepreneurism because I think it's going to be a while before corporate America starts openly hiring again, right? So, what advice can you give someone just starting out, whether it's a realtor or someone in the real estate industry or just an entrepreneur or business owner in general?
0: I say get a coach, get a coach, get, a coach. Okay. get someone who can help guide you. You know, I didn't have that, so I, I spent a little longer maybe getting to where I needed to go or whatever, but having someone who has a vision of your, you know, your future path and knows how to guide you through that. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody that you, you trust knows what they're doing. I mean, get somebody in your corner because you can't, you can't go it alone if you're expecting results soon. You know, if you want results to come to you sooner, then invest in yourself and get a coach, you know, or a mentor or somebody who knows how to help you, but truly don't, that's where My mom always said, it doesn't matter how much you spend money on when it's for your health. If you're spending a lot of money on vitamins or, you know, supplements or what, it doesn't matter how much you spend there because that's your health, you know, um, go cheap on maybe your, your clothes or your whatever things that don't matter. But when it comes to your business, don't go cheap there. You want to invest in it because if you want it to be that big, you've got to think about how you're going to start that. Mm -hmm. Start that with some knowledge. For me, I'm someone who likes to know as much as I can know about a topic before I go out and present or act on somebody's behalf or whatever, help someone. So- That would be my, you know.
2: I absolutely love it. See, for me, I believe that when we're part of the problem, we can't be part of the solution. I also believe that we know what we know. We know what we don't know, but we don't know what we don't know. And that's what the coaches are there for. They're there to expose our blind spots, to be our mirror, to help, you know, be a sounding board. Coaches are so valuable. I mean, I practice what I preach. I am a coach and I have coaches, right? I believe that the greatest in the world have coaches. I, I, a previous interview I had done, we were talking about how Tiger Woods has a golf coach. Tiger Woods has a golf coach. Of course he does. Why be shocked about that? Right? So I love that advice. It's very, very sound advice. Why do you think outside of not having a coach? Why do you think most entrepreneurs don't make it? As a society,
0: we don't have a lot of belief in ourselves and those things that we hear about, oh, you'll never make it, or oh, that's too hard, or things like that. That sort of outer language that maybe we were told growing up becomes our inner language to ourselves, which does just a world of damage. Because I think those that that give up, really didn't believe that they could do it in the first place. And so it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's assuming that they did everything right, you know, and and of course. assuming they knew what they were doing, not, not assuming someone who was ill-prepared, didn't have, you know, didn't do the right thing. You know what I mean? When you go for something from your heart, like, yes, I understand there's a financial vision for you, but if it is like, this is what I want to do and here's why I want to do it, you know? I love selling houses because I love, love, love being a part of that process. I think it's a very, like you said, very emotional time, whether you're buying or selling, and most people are doing both. And I've already been through it like a million times, you know, with clients and to be able to be there for them brings just, I love that. Whatever it is they need when they're losing it because showings are happening. Okay, great. No, no problem. They need the calm in their storm. So if you find something you love, then you have to know in your heart and soul that you can do it and don't stop until you do.
2: I love that you brought up this heart-centeredness because to me, that's the epitome of who you are. The epitome of who you are is you're not Michelle DiCarlo, the realtor. You're not. You're Michelle DiCarlo, the friend, the person that just so happens to have a real estate license and knows how to navigate those contracts and and the, the legalities. And you just so happen to know comps and areas and what to do and what not to do. And I know you as the person who shows up and wholeheartedly invests yourself into everyone who comes to you wanting something. Is, is that accurate?
0: It is. It is because one of my top core values is integrity. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm out there Quote selling homes, you know, I don't sell homes. I am listening to my client to find out what it is they need. And then I do everything I can to help them find and accomplish what it is that they have vocalized that they need. And sometimes they don't actually vocalize it, it comes through body language, it comes through other things, other interactions. But I find out what it is that they need. And my goal is not about my paycheck. It has never been about my paycheck. What's it been about?
2: My client. It's about my client. So it's kind of like heart-centered selling. Hey, that should be a trademark.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I honestly don't feel like I sell anything. I don't sell, you know, to the, what a lot of people can, you know, maybe translate what the word sell means. I don't, I do not sell. I facilitate a process for my clients that, that they are wanting to accomplish. I help them accomplish what they want. I don't sell a single house. I've never
2: sold a home. <laughs> yeah, no, and I've hey, never... <laughs> that's why the show's called Sell Without Selling.
0: <laughs> it never happened because what good would that do? If I'm client-based, if I'm listening to my client, I don't need to sell them anything. I need to hear what they're looking for. I need to help them get it. Whatever hurdles are in front of them, I want to help them get past it to get to where they want. That's not selling. That's like that's facilitating. That's helping. It's educating I love that.
2: the process. I love that. So- let's talk about motivation when times are really good it's really easy to stay motivated because everything just kind of falls on people's laps right sure. when times are really tough it's kind of hard to stay motivated yeah you know i'm not claiming that as an opinion because for me that's not my opinion i just know it's the opinion of the masses and I think we're seeing a, I'm going to say in air quotes, tough time. Yeah. Now, for me, you also have to understand that I also know that in times where there's change and look, one thing's guaranteed, change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one thing That's is inevitable, sure. and that is change And because of that, change brings into it an immense amount of opportunity. And the beautiful thing about life is it allows us perspective. You can look at a glass half empty or you can look at a glass half full. However you look at life, however you look at change. So that was a really long-winded little chunk for me to get to this question. And that is we're in an environment where a lot's changed and people are labeling this as uncertain times they're labeling this as as hard times right and when that happens it can be a demotivating factor how does someone stay motivated when it's not easy to want to be when things are hard
0: that is a huge challenge for many people i think especially right now Mm stacy you're seeing so many people struggle to stay motivated because their lives have changed which is, like you said, that's all that this life is, is constantly changing. And that motivation, you know, I can't, I can say for me is internal and it comes from me knowing that I can and I will and everything will be fine. But you have to know that. I mean, so that's why I go back to perspective again, because if you see your life as dismal and it's always going to be like this, you know what? I'm not still sitting with nine cents in the bank, taking water bottles and standing in line to trade them in for recycling and eating Fritos breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's not still my life. It was my life. Could I have stopped right there and lived that way? Yeah. It's a hard thing though to find that, but perspective is knowing, knowing, not lying to yourself and pretending, but really dig deep and find out that, no, you know, you can do this, whatever the heck it takes. Whatever it takes, you dig deep. Whether it's do one thing extra that day, like if you're so down low and the motivation is so non-existent that it's hard to get out of bed, then your goal that day is get out of bed, get dressed, and just build yourself up till you can really be full functioning, running forward, moving forward. Things are happening, but it is not easy, Stacey. That that life, when you're that, you can be that low. I know.
2: <laughs> I know you know. I know that's. That's why I smiled when, when, when you were saying that, because, you know, sometimes I remember when I woke up with 16 cents in the bank. And yes, I know I had doubled the amount of money you did. (laughs) Kind of feeling like a baller now when I was a (laughs) pauper. (laughs) <laughs> and and i i remember i remember not being able to get out of bed for 3 days i mean on stage i jokingly say i slept like a baby i woke up every hour on the hour falling my eyes out right yeah. i remember you and i having this conversation a while back about just do one thing just do one thing and and I remember you getting really mad at me when I say go live on Facebook and you're like, "Ah, I can't go live on Facebook. I got to I gotta, I don't I don't have makeup on." And I'm like, "That's why I said go live because then I know you got to put makeup on."
0: <laughs> yeah, going live made me so nervous the first time I did it. Yeah. But I did have a big reaction to your suggestion because I'm like, that made me so nervous to go live because anything could go wrong and I stumble or can't find the right word. I was so worried about it. And then once you do your first one, you're okay. So I messed up. It's okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, hey, you got out of bed, you put makeup on, you went yeah. live. You didn't do one <laughs> thing, you did three. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, I can go back to bed now. (laughs) (laughs) So so I know that you're a mover and shaker. I know that. And and when I say mover and shaker, I mean from a Zen perspective. You don't work hard, you work smart, right? And I also know that you're a very relational people person. So what is networking to you?
0: Networking is a blast to me Mm -hmm. when you are authentic and real in your networking, mm-hmm. then it is, it's not even, I don't even think of it as networking. It's just meeting new people is all it is. But networking is your opportunity to give of yourself to someone else. To me, it's not a time for me to fill someone's need. If I hear someone needs something, if I can connect them to someone great. I mean, I, I've never really thought of it as networking. It is just a way to help others. Just the way the world works, things come back to you. But I don't help others for that reason. Again, that's just not who I am. I am, let me see what I can do for you.
2: Great. You know. So which do you think is more important, mindset or skill set and why? Mindset, period. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Non-negotiable. That's it. End of conversation. (laughs) Podcast over. Okay.
0: (laughs) I mean, if you have to have one predominant and make it your mindset, because you could be highly trained, highly educated, have all the skills, the knowledge, the tools, and the abilities to succeed at whatever it is you're after. But if your mind and your self-talk and those thoughts that go on in your head are so negative, and when I say negative, people don't even realize sometimes that their thought is negative. They don't realize, you know, but really take a look at what you're saying to yourself and how you see things and make that little tweak and adjustment in your language to yourself and change that mindset. Because with all of that education, if your mindset is wrong, you will go nowhere.
2: I absolutely agree. It's kind of why I teach what I do. (laughs) So the reason why I asked that question is because I'm curious of your thoughts, because I know that, that this is kind of where you had a really big shift from hitting that ceiling, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do limitations, let's just call them for shits and giggles, limiting beliefs, Mm -hmm. how do limiting beliefs impact people's ability to have the life that they've always wanted?
0: I mean, that's their, that's most people's number one obstacle. I think, is their limited beliefs. And they most, many people don't realize that their belief is actually limited until somebody shows them another option, you know, Mm -hmm. or the idea that no, it's not limited. Limiting beliefs are so damaging, you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. I'll give my example. If my mom watches it, I don't want her to get <laughs> upset over, <laughs> over this statement, because this is what any mom, Hi, mom. Would, <laughs> any mom would say to their kid, like I had a big brother and they, they, he was going out to play with his friends or whatever. And I wanted to go play with them. And my mom said, no, you can't play with the big boys okay, that's a normal mom thing to say. But guess right. what? I found out that that stuck in my head. And I actually had that belief growing up that, oh, I can't, I can't play with the big boys. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just small, mm-hmm. right? That simple little statement that a parent could say to you as a child could impact how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. Not intentionally. My mom loves me. I love my mom. Mm-hmm. But that is impactful, and people have limiting beliefs like that that are so minor they don't even realize it. I didn't realize it.
2: There's nothing wrong with your mother being a mother. Your your right. mother your mother lovingly made a parental comment to protect her youngest, who was much smaller than the bigger boys. I just I remember in class, which is why I asked when you turned around and said, "All I want to do is play with the big boys." Right? I remember that, and I remember instantly. Huh, how many brothers do you have? This has nothing to do with my brothers. Oh, it has everything to do with your <laughs> brothers. Come on, let's play, right? What happens is some limitations are, are genealogical. Some limitations are handed down to us from generation to generation. Some limitations are gifted to us, like hypothetically, you know, our baby boomers and some of our older Gen X. We're told that that a woman's responsibility is to stay home, take care of the household and the kids, Right. right? right? And those same generations, the men were told a real man can provide for his family. A real man will make more than his wife. Well, welcome to the new millennium, right, where we're a dink. Double income, no kids, or double income with kids, or the woman is the provider for the family and the man is a stay at home. Does that make him any less of a man? No, right? However, growing up, you know, dad would always tell his son, Real men don't cry. Well, yes, they do. And guess what, dad? They eat quiche, right? So there's nothing had about what that parent was saying. That parent was really just sharing with them, with, with their child, what was shared with them when they were a child. So that program actually just got copy and pasted from one generation to the next. Right. Fast forward, some of them are very, very innocent. Some of them are handed to us out of love by a parent trying to protect us. Some of them we bestow upon ourselves. I can't climb a tree. Well, when I was five years old, I climbed a tree, fell out, broke a bone. Guess what? I have no desire to break a bone anymore. I can't climb a tree, right? Now, did that happen to me? No. Do I think I can climb a tree? Yeah. Do I want to climb a tree? No, not really. So I say all this to say your mother's loving comment to protect her youngest daughter, right, was you can't play with the big boys. You had this internal representation that those multi-million dollar income earners in real estate, you internalized them as big boys, which then fired off the program. Little mm-hmm. you know, Michelle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can't play with the big boys. right. So then that switchboard deployed, the program ran, and you hit that ceiling until you and I kind of like did that whole
0: Mm-hmm. Boxing
2: match in class where we danced with each other. It was funny. You told me that it was like uh, all you heard was spurs. Cheek, no, cheek. It was
0: you know at the <laughs> my... <laughs> like in a the western okay, corral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I can hear your spurs coming at me. I'm like, oh.
2: <laughs> and then what happens is that program. Once the awareness happens, the program can rewrite itself, and it no longer loops and i remember seeing you months later and you're like i am the big boy now right <laughs> I, re- I remember you saying that and it just making me laugh so hard limiting beliefs impose and hinder people so much and what happens is most times we don't even know we have
0: i didn't know that was there until i did go through your class i didn't know that was a belief of mine. But there it was. And because we did some digging, we figured that out. And now no longer limiting belief. And that's what I was saying when so many people who have limiting beliefs don't realize. You don't even know what's there, but something's stopping you. You've got to do some work and get past that.
2: I believe wholeheartedly, and I think I say this almost every episode, if you want the outer to work, you must do the inner work, period. <laughs> so vital. So yeah. Vital. You brought up your foundational core value of integrity. You know, we, we both share that core value. How impactful do you think values are to people's pursuit of success?
0: To me, I think it's pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> if you can work within your values, that authenticity and that that true you and that transparency of you will work in your favor and things will will happen for you when you are aware of what what are your values you know if you're if your values are i'll do whatever you know you may make a little bit of money here a little bit of money there you'll lose it there you know it's more transactional i'm a relational obviously very relational person my clients most of them end up being lifelong friends because i truly care through their process they see that they know that they get that integrity definitely guides me you know there's there is nothing I would do that is not in the best interest of my client because as a realtor, I'm a fiduciary for that client, basically. Mm-hmm. I have to do what's right for them, not what's right for me. I never ever calculate what would my commission be on this client, ever. Right.
2: right.
0: Ahead of I'm time. Because bad. I that is not my that's not my driver. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm not like, you know, doing this for charity. I'm making a living, but that is not my driver. It truly is. I want to get that client. I want to make that client happy. I want that client to get to where they're going, sell that house, buy that house, whatever it is, investment property. And that's integrity. And that's really a big part of my values.
2: Our value system is one of our most unconscious filters, which means that everything we do, our behavior, our reaching out to people, our prospecting, our marketing, our selling, our negotiating... how we take care of ourselves, all of that runs autopilot. So when you do something or don't do something, that's because of your core values. And it's funny because most people think they know what their values are. You don't know what your core values are because you can't consciously know them because they happen unconsciously. However, they consciously, unconsciously impact your life. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) consciously, unconsciously. (laughs) It's so true.
2: True. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So I, I, absolutely. So I know that your brand, Michelle DiCarlo, is branded in the coastline real estate market as your favorite realtor, mm-hmm. right? Because I know you take that very seriously. How did you become your favorite realtor?
0: No idea, Stacy. Um <laughs> It just felt right. Okay.
2: <laughs> self-proclaimed. I think. I mean, it was, no, uh,
0: not self-proclaimed. I mean, people had told me, you know, mm-hmm. you're our favorite realtor. Our, I mean, I've been passed around through family members. You know, I know.
2: That's people, why I asked. The
0: daughter, the mother, the uncle, you know, the grandpa. And you're our favorite realtor. And I guess it just, you know, was shared with me that I was quite a few people's favorite realtor. So I'm like, I'm your favorite realtor. You know, and it just became that.
2: The greatest compliment any business person can receive is continual ongoing referrals, especially when it's close friend and family. And I'm very serious about this question. and, And I really want you to step back. How did you earn that? Because that is, that's huge. When you don't market a lot, you really don't. I mean, I don't know your, your statistics. I would say well over 90% of your business is probably referral marketing, yeah. if, if I had to guess.
0: It's about 98%.
2: 98%. <laughs> and oh, by the way, she makes six figures. So, <laughs> yeah. so that was earned. How did you do that?
0: This is, it's just pro- client based, focused yeah. on my client, heart centered. My clients know I'm not there. For me, I don't even know the numbers right now on how many realtors are in the state of California, but there's a million realtors. You can click on Zillow and you'll get somebody who's trying to make a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make a paycheck. I am wanting to help someone through their process of whatever they're doing in real estate. That's what I'm doing. And I think people know that and see that and understand it when they work with me because nobody wants to be sold to. Nobody wants to feel like, oh, this is just... She's just here because she, you know, she's she wants to sell this house and make some. No one ever gets that feeling for me because that's not how I that's not how I am. So that authenticity and, and client-centered, it's about what they're looking for. What do you want? How can I serve you? How can I best serve you? How can I knock your socks off to make you happy through this process? It's a stressful, difficult, lot of money changing hands, you know. So I think it just comes from that, just that. My heart is in every, it's called a call transaction, but, you know, my heart is in every one of them with my clients. So
2: so basically your secret sauce to becoming a six-figure, 98% referral-based, really not marketing, successful business person is to be externally focused, to show up in a space of heart and show up 100% for them.
0: Yeah. And have that knowledge, that skill set is necessary. I'm Absolutely. I I have a huge skill set. I've got the knowledge. I've got everything, you know, everything they need and resources and all of that. But yes, show up with that along with your toolkit. Yeah, I guess that's my recipe there.
2: I love it because, you know, very few business people can make it 100% off of referral based. Very few can. And there is a very secret sauce involved with that. And let's face it, it all starts with self. It all starts with the ability to trust oneself, to love oneself, to exhibit self-love and self-worth so that that can be projected externally. And when that can be projected externally, it shows up congruent, authentic, transparent. And because of that, all of a sudden you start getting labeled as you're my favorite dot, dot, dot. Right. realtor yeah that's the secret sauce and and it's really cool because it's one of the things i love about you you're just so damn real yeah. you really are and even more zen now that you're yoga than you were when i first met you <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually something i wanted to ask you about you know being married to who i'm married to and having her be the catalyst and the boss of me in my personal life <laughs> right? right how important is breath how important is breathing? How important is meditation for the entrepreneur and the business owner in today's stressful climate and just the stressful climate period? And how important is breathing and meditation for success?
0: I think a lot of people have a hard time even thinking of meditating Mm. or breathing. And those people, they, they get anxious just thinking about doing it They need it more than anyone. Meditation and, or just breath, or just take a moment. If the word meditation freaks you out, just call it, you know, clearing my head and sit and breathe and clear all the thoughts that come in. It's extremely important because you probably know the number of thoughts that run through a person's head throughout a day. I I don't know. I know it's got to be in the hundreds of thousands. You know, things that go on, and then stack that with, you know, pandemic and isolation and job stress, job loss, pivoting to a new job, all of these thoughts, meditation, breath, taking that moment to realize all of that stuff that I just mentioned is out here. You are this person inside observing all of that. Go back to that person, the observer, and that's what your breath will do for you. And meditation is going back to being to that solid, constant being within you, that is observing all of these thoughts swing by. There's somebody listening to the thoughts, right? So that's that's what I'm talking about. As your thoughts go by, that listener, that one sitting there, go back to that and just sit and watch the thoughts or take all those thoughts. I like to put them, everyone's got their visual. When I'm preparing to meditate or focus, and I'll take those thoughts and I put them on a boat and I send them down the river. That's what I do. If thoughts rush back in, take them, observe them. If he brings out an emotion, feel it for a minute and then take that thought. Put it on a boat, send it down the river.
2: Do they get to come back and visit or no?
0: Sometimes they do when you know okay. when you, it's hard to focus for you know for some more than others and at certain times. But clearing your headspace, I think, as an entrepreneur, super important because an entrepreneur has well, a thousand balls up in the air. Mm-hmm. We are juggling a lot and responsible for a lot and focus on a lot and feel this burden of, of a lot of responsibility. So, yeah, I think that really should be spoken about more because meditation is where you get away from all of those thoughts?
2: So I do have the answer to your question. I, I wanted to avoid interrupting you because we share this belief of how important that is. So our brain consumes 144 million bits of information per day wow. through all of our senses, visually, auditory, both internal you know, that voice in your head, the one that just said, I don't have a voice in my head, that voice. Mm -hmm. External through the noises, you know, like the humming of air conditioners and stuff like that. Kinesthetic, you know, through sitting and just feeling things, both internal and external. And then you've got your olfactory and your gustatory. So between every one of those senses, we take in 144 million bits of information. Now, our mind, the thoughts, science has proven that the average person consumes about 90,000 thoughts a day, 90,000 thoughts a day. And over 90% of them are focused on what people don't want to happen. What happens when you focus on what it is you don't want to happen? Where, yeah, our energy goes where our focus flows, right? right. So out of those 90,000 thoughts in a day, how does one really function? And it's through breath and focus. And that happens through meditation. And I'm not talking about the in your nose. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that core breath. The breath that really gets you centered, that really locks into your chi and your centeredness and your, and your relaxation. And when I found out that you were pursuing your yoga certification, I knew in my heart of hearts, you're getting ready to go to the next level. Big time. Big, big time. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, serious. Because, yeah. you know, you've mastered you've mastered the ceiling. You've mastered breaking through the ceiling. Mm -hmm. The next level requires a whole different set of neurology. Yeah. And you and I have talked about that level. This is values levels. This is a big, big move. And it's where the yumminess of Zen, and we were laughing about this before the podcast. It's (laughs) the yumminess of Zen and type A come together. (laughs) Yes. Such a beautiful combination. (laughs) We we were we were joking about writing a book together. The the, the type A Zen. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So this is the signature question of our show. What does selling without selling mean to you? Sell
0: without selling it's all your perspective on what it is you're doing. If you see whatever it is your job is, let's say you you sell water systems, you know, alkaline water or mm-hmm. what else? What are some other direct marketing, whatever those. Yeah, direct sales, makeup, nutritional sales. products,
2: yeah.
0: lotions, exactly. potions. If your perspective as the person who is selling these products is that you are selling these products mm-hmm. and that you are you know, trying to accomplish something and there's something that doesn't feel right there, it's, it's going to feel, that is selling. But if you realize that what you're doing is providing a service, filling a need, helping, assisting, facilitating, that's not selling at all. You see a need, you see someone who has these certain health issues and you know if they use these essential oils over here, it would be helpful for them. It's not selling, that's providing a service and that's helping someone. So when it comes from a different place, you are selling without selling completely. Yeah, when, it doesn't when, feel like selling.
2: When you find a need, want, and desire, and you have a product, service, or solution that fits that need, want, and desire, and you show up 100% in service of that other person so that you can step in their map of reality, speak into their listening, and be the service provider and and the connection that right. they need to give them the best solution, there's no sales involved.
0: Right. Absolutely. It, it's perspective. It's how you see, yeah. really how you see yourself. It, what is your role through your eyes?
2: So welcome to the random round. See, I believe. Oh, they random around. They random ran around. I okay. believe that success leaves clues, And I believe that our successful guests can share some information with our listeners, Our listeners can extract what resonates with them and then make applicable to themselves in their life, and then eventually duplicate the success. Mm-hmm. Sure. What's your morning routine look like?
0: My morning routine. Oh, yes, my ma'am. I have to be straight with you during COVID lately. There is no <laughs> routine right now. Okay. <laughs> I got to tell you. So let me go back to before COVID a little bit yes, because ma'am. lately it's been a little, you know,
2: lacking, huh?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but I've been going with it, you know. Okay. You know, not judging myself right no. now. I don't have up. to have a morning routine, but typically, mm-hmm. My morning routine involves me getting up early. Whenever I wake up, I never set an alarm unless I have an appointment, an mm-hmm. early appointment. But I'm just, I naturally wake up early. I'm a morning person. So um, I get up probably 5, 5.30, jump in the car, and I drive to the beach. Mm-hmm. And that is my meditation time. For me, it involves standing in with my feet in the water. And I start with gratitude. I like to speak it out loud. And I get to do that at the beach because at that hour, (laughs) there's nobody there. It's me and the sand and the sea and and the sun coming up and it's a, a very peaceful time. So I start with gratitude and go through my, come out of the water, take sort of a meditative walk along the beach. And then I oftentimes sit, there's certain rock or area that I like to sit down and I will meditate right there on the sand at the beach. And that starts my day. It may be followed with, Active, you know, a little more active uh, maybe a, a fast paced walk that walk on the beach is not for necessarily physical shape it's it's all mm-hmm. a mental uh, adventure, so I may follow that up with something else or bike ride, peloton or something, and then
2: I'm ready from there to get going yeah. is that when you go look for all your sand dollars or your I sand don't dollars look for them they find you. me I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean this woman has probably found more sand dollars or more sand dollars have found Michelle than probably <laughs> exist in the ocean today <laughs>
0: <laughs> I asked for a sign and I got a mac truck of a sign. And um, that's mm-hmm. what those hand dollars
2: are for me. That tell. I, love yeah. I love it. One last random round question. What's your favorite word and why?
0: I would have to say and go with well, I'm kind of bouncing between two, but we'll go with shift, really a shift perspective. Those were the two I was sort of bouncing between as a favorite word, because oftentimes you do have to shift, which is just like pivot, but um, without a V in it. So maybe I like it better, but Shift <laughs> is yeah. that ability to recognize when it is time to make a change, to not be stuck in a direction because you were just so committed to that direction and not realize or pay attention to the signs around you that, oh, maybe I need to shift, you know, and shift whether it's what you're doing. It's perspective is really a huge word for me because that to me is everything is perspective, being able to make that shift. So I gave you two words my
2: favorite. I love it. Thanks for giving me two. I got a BOGO.
0: I bought (laughs) one and I got one. (laughs) Absolutely free on that second one.
2: Thank you. So Michelle, (laughs) thank you so much for being on the show today. If our listeners wanted to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you?
0: Oh, sure. Michelle DiCarlo. I'm with Cold War Banker Realty. I'm on Instagram under Michelle DiCarlo. You can find me on Facebook. Michelle DiCarlo, your favorite realtor in San Diego.
2: Fantastic. Thanks so much for today hey, your success is important to me. It's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do three things right now. First, I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and like and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Hop over to Instagram, like and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, second, I'd love for you to hop over to Facebook. That's the other platform. Hop over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's our Sell Without Selling community on Facebook. On both platforms, we have an immense amount of interaction. We post golden nuggets and tips every day, and we're constantly interacting with both platforms. Last and definitely not least, I would love to chat with you and get feedback on the episodes and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success that you've always dreamed of, desired, and you know you deserve. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com/talk-to-stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com/talk-to-stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. Always remember this: choice is a powerful thing. Suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way, so that you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon.